it was during this interview that I realized why uh, us millennials are so uh, environmentally focused, right? Because we all grew up watching Captain Planet. Uh, and you, people think I'm joking, but I'm dead serious. I was talking to Mike, Mike Brown. He's a, uh, on this episode, he is a energy engineer uh, focused on alternatives. And, uh, and I was like, hey, Mike, man, we all think this way because we grew up watching Captain Planet and it made us conscious about, um, you know, being smart about the resources that we have. And as we got older, it just it's just it's a part of what we care about and what we do. And so that was a major revelation. Right. It was I'm being dead serious. Like I was like, ah, that's probably a big why because he watched it. I watched that. I know all my homies watched it growing up. And so that's we basically focus on climate because we grew up watching Clans of the Planet. So if anybody has a problem with that, you could thank whoever made that show. I don't even know who made the show. Um, but this episode was, was, was pretty dope. We talked about um, energy efficiency, what uh, engineers are doing to um, um, leave a smaller imprint on the world in construction and, um, uh, and redesigns. Um, we also, talk, also talked about how data and technology helps in the architecture process, right? It was it was a bit nerdy, and I'm a beginner, so uh, he was able to break some things down for me. Um, but for those of you who are interested in, uh, you know, construction, engineering, uh, the environment, uh, data, all that nerd type stuff, uh, you will you'll like this one. Uh, and he's a fellow. He has a podcast called Three uh, P Theory uh, that. It's on Spotify, I believe, iTunes. Check it out. Uh, but we'll dig into it in this next ep- in this episode today. All right, y'all, we are live again with another episode of Ask Philip. I am your host, Philip Washington. Hey, and I have a fellow podcaster on here, uh, Mike Brown. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Mike. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me. Glad to be what, here. What, uh, you know, I've been meaning to ask you, too. What is, is your podcast is 3P Theory? Am I saying it right? P- That's right, yeah. It, what, what does that stand for? Uh, so 3P Theory, um, if anybody that's, you know, in the sustainability world, energy efficiency, uh, the three P's that kind of create uh, this uh, triangular, I guess, shape of uh, bringing in people, planet, and profit uh, mm-hmm. is really at the epicenter of being able to be, have a successful project uh, or a successful initiative around sustainability uh, by having all three of those stakeholders uh, being represented. So uh, that's kind of where I got the name from. Um, and then, you know, really just being able to well, just kind of give a background about it, um, interview successful uh, industry leaders uh, that have really been able to have a positive impact with regards to certain projects on energy efficiency, um, sustainability, health and well-being, uh, and all of the other, uh, I guess, concepts that surround uh, or impact sustainability in general. Uh, okay, okay. And, so that, and that makes sense because your, your, your day job is an en- energy engineer. Correct. Correct. And I, and I just made up that term, but is that, is that actually a term? What's the technical term? <laughs> uh, it's, well, it's, it's, not, it's not made up, but, um, you know, to be honest, uh, energy engineer in itself uh, could be a variety of different things. Um, you know, 
first I'll talk about kind of that and then I'll talk about what I do. Uh, so with the energy engineer, I mean, it can go um, as far as someone um, that's doing energy efficiency, uh, doing infrastructure, energy systems. Uh, it could even be someone uh, as a, uh, I guess, a building or facilities engineer, being an engineer, uh, maintaining uh, operations of the building, understanding how energy is being used, conservation, uh, you know, control systems, things of nature, water systems for a particular facility, or even a, even a manufacturing plant for that matter. Um, so the, the, the range is, is quite varied. Uh, however, for me in particular, what I do um, is uh, I'm essentially uh, an energy uh, performance analyst for um, architecture, where I really kind of stand on the lines between architecture and engineering um, and collaborating with those disciplines to really create a high performing project uh, as it relates to uh, energy performance. Um, now we know there's a lot of things connected in or a lot of things that uh, dictate energy use, um, you know, within a building, it could be lighting, it could be, you know, hot water heating, uh, HVAC, so on and so forth. Um, so for me, I'm looking at all those components and finding ways to, um, you know, make those, or sorry, uh, recommend uh, alternative measures or recommendations for um, more efficient systems. Uh, and then from a design standpoint, uh, if you're thinking about architecturally, uh, looking at the form, massing of the building, uh, you know, how much glass it has, the type of glass and performance of, of that uh, insulation, so on and so forth, and really maximizing the entire building as a system uh, to create a really high quality product for, for the client. So, so, so in other words, you know, I own some properties, right? And, and, and to give context for those who are, who are listening, right? You, you basically have two economic cycles, right? You have an economic cycle where interest rates are going down and then when they're going up, right, over the long term. And, and, and so right now, people might be listening and they're like, well, man, energy costs are so low. This is not super important. But the next cycle, right, is going to be extremely important. But, but as a business owner, if, if I own some property or property, I'm basically saying, hey, I'm getting killed in energy costs or energy costs is a big chunk of, of 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 my uh, of what I'm paying for, you basically you basically come in and say, all right, let me figure out how to lower it. Is that kind of the simple version of it? Uh, right. So both for so it seems like for, for that you're talking about the context of existing buildings, but even on new construction too. Got uh, it. So okay. even bef before it's built, we try to find ways to maximize uh, because you can even have some first cost savings as well. Uh, so for instance, if you're you know, installing, you know, high performance glass, uh, that's really good. And you have a good envelope, you may be able to save on the front end, but not having as much as large of an HVAC system uh, for cooling or heating um, kind of thing. So it's, it's a trade off. Um, that's for sure. But, you know, with that, you know, we try to educate people and let them understand that, you know, there are, you know, competing drivers. And so, you know, once you move one lever, you know, another thing changes as well in terms of, of that energy use. But, um, you kind, you kind of alluded to it uh, here in Texas, it, it is, and in the South in general, it is uh, a bit of a challenge just because energy is cheap right now, energy, or energy and water uh, are cheap. Um, so you gotta, we kind of have to have other drivers other than just energy efficiency and savings and operations, uh, especially on developer-driven projects uh, to really sell uh, that piece. Um, and oh, yeah. it really focuses on finance and how, how you're adding value to the building. Uh, more than anything. I, I know. And, and that's why I gave the background. Cause I'm like, if they, 
if they if they understood economics, they would I'll be like, hey man, if you plan on you plan on having that in your portfolio for the next ten years, you better make that thing energy efficient, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it ebbs and flows over multiple periods of time. So so here's a question like how um, so I'm gonna use an example, and I'm and I'm going a little bit off key from our discussion before, but this this is in the context of this conversation. So, like we 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 built a house in 2012 um, that was uh, energy efficient, right? Mm-hmm. But the house that we uh, we don't live in a house anymore. We 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 live in another house now, and uh, and it and so this house was built in 2010. Yeah, it was, it's 10 years old. Uh, so it was built in 2010, but it doesn't have the energy efficiency of the brand new house we bought in 2012, 2013. But they're like two or three years off. So how how often, you know, do these upgrades change? Meaning if you're doing it and we put it in place, do you need to change it every five years or is that even possible? Is that expensive? Like how does that process work? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You definitely don't want to have to do upgrades every every few years. So uh, you know the, the most efficient way is you know doing it up front if you can, uh, and even if you're working on a retrofit for you know a building that's you know thirty or forty years old, uh, being able to to do the analysis to 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 project out. Um, but to, to your point, um, you know energy codes really drive a lot of the efficiencies and performance of, of buildings today. Um, you know, unless that particular owner or designer is doing, you know, um, you know, sustainability program or green certification where they have to do, go above and beyond. Uh, and, the, and the cycle of the energy codes are essentially every three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that the city will adopt that change every three years. Usually it's more like six years, uh, sometimes even longer for some cities, uh, which is really unfortunate because you're essentially just delaying um, putting those mandates on new buildings uh, or major retrofits to be able to already include those measures. Um, So kind of like you mentioned before, you know, that first building, um, you know, may have been built on an older energy code where it wasn't as stringent uh, in terms of the standards Um, because they're, they're changing, like I said, every, every three years or so. Um, And a lot of the, the newer energy codes are almost as equivalent, if not more stringent than some of the green building programs like LEED. So, hmm. okay, no, inter- interesting. Um, so with the so like, and I, and we had 1900s. That was like the industrial age, right? So we had the, you know, Andrew Carnegie, John D. Rockefeller, all those guys who, who built factories and industrialized the world. And then towards the end of that century, we start worrying about pollution. I don't know about you. I grew up watching Captain Planet. Right and and I, and all that stuff. And, and, um, <laughs> no, I did too. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, that. yeah. And so, but so now the two thousands, like we're in the, you know, I guess the next this next hundred years is going to be uh, the technological revolution, right? And, and so, do when y'all are running projections and looking at things, you know, with with all the energy that maybe computers use, or I'm I might even be saying it wrong. So I, I'm literally ignorant to this, but. You know, are there other, you know, pollution problems that we already see or uh, are seeing when it comes to when the whole world is digitized or, or in the, you know, whatever, whatever you would call the technology age when computers are up to scale? Um, you know, I know it, it will increase, that's for sure. Uh, but when you compare that to 
other market sectors and other industries. Um, you know, there was a stat that I had, I had pulled um, that essentially by 2025, that piece that you're talking about in terms of global computing power and storage and the cloud and things of that nature will only account for about 4% of global emissions. Mm. Um, and so when you compare that to some of the other industries, and I can only speak more specifically to the one that I'm, I'm in, in the building industry, uh, you know, buildings account for about 39% of that, of the, of the pie in terms mm. of global emissions. And so, you know, while you could focus on that, um, I, I think the, the silver lining is understanding, you know, how quickly we're going to be able to get data and analytics um, to be able to make decisions smarter and faster. Um, you know, you kind of alluded to it, I think, in another conversation where we were talking about um, how the construction industry and, and architecture industry is kind of behind uh, others in that realm. Uh, I think that's one of the greatest opportunities they have to, to be able to scale, scale business, uh, design better, and just, and just really have a, a greater impact on the community, in my opinion. Got it. No, that, that, make, that makes sense. Um, and, and what, so you mentioned data. What are some, some of the ways data is being used in infrastructure projects today? Um, well, I'll, I'll start on the architecture side. Um, you know, with all of the, the different um, initiatives and sustainability programs that are out there, you know, that are trying to hit aggressive targets in terms of energy reductions and so on and so forth, um, you know, a lot of the data and analytics on that on the front end when we're designing projects, uh, obviously use, utilizing uh, more 3D modeling to be able to coordinate with other disciplines, uh, which saves a lot of time. Uh, especially out in the field uh, when they're doing coordination, uh, especially for some of the more progressive construction and architecture firms that are using uh, augmented reality uh, or even virtual reality. Um, not even necessarily from a, a data standpoint, but even from just a conceptualization of what the building is going to be like before, you know, it's actually built. There's only so much you can get from renderings and images. Uh, and you've seen these before and con concept designs that people produce. Uh, and it's a different feel when you can actually literally put on a headset and sit inside the building that they're going to be building for you. Um, mm. So that, that's come a long way and there's still a lot of growth and opportunity for that. Uh, and then in the construction field, obviously being able to utilize, um, in some cases, uh, digital drawings and being able to save time uh, with coordination by doing certain taggings. And, you know, there's some uh, companies that are starting to do RFID chips. Uh, so they can know, you know, when things come on the site, when they go off the site, um, without necessarily having to do a lot of manual uh, accounting for that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, from just a tracking standpoint, as it relates to, um, you know, social uh, responsibility and things of that nature, uh, people are starting to collect data on how much energy buildings are using or how much water buildings are using, so that then they can bring that back into the design feedback loop. Um, you know, a lot of times this is a piece that's neglected um, post-occupancy side is because, you know, you design a building, you construct it. And after that, in most cases, people just, you know, they don't come back to that particular building and say, hey, how, how well is it doing compared to what we expect kind of thing? Unless they get a, a, a call from Mr. Owner or the building manager and say, hey, you know, this isn't working properly. You know, until you get that call, most of the time people aren't following back up. Um, and I think that's a, a missed opportunity. 
No, that makes sense. Yeah, and you meant, you mentioned something that I always think about, right? So when I'm, I like to think in the showers and I take, you know, hot long showers. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm using up so much. I'm being so wasteful right now. You know, with with water. Um, you know, aside note, our our water bill in Grand Prairie, our just the, the base water bill is ridiculous anyway. So it kind of doesn't matter. And I'm like, I would love to like be able to have the data of how much energy we use. Like, like you have an app and it says, here's how much energy you use and here's some recommendations um, that, to, to, to fix it. And I can just be, and I can just tell the computer or the app, hey, yeah, just, you know, keep our energy at this level, whatever you gotta do, shut stuff off, limit stuff, whatever. I mean, that, is that already there for, um, you know, at, at the commercial level? Heck, even at the residential level. Oh yeah. Um... Most most certainly on the commercial side. Um, so with that, the building automation system or BMS or BAS uh, really captures a lot of that. And not only just capturing the data, but being able to, to visualize it in some cases on uh, some advanced tools and be able to control it all from one room. So you don't necessarily have to go up, you know, up in the attic and, you know, pull down some panels and things of nature to, to look at a gauge or reading kind of thing. Um, and then being able to track that over time, you know, you can go as far as to being able to track it in 15 minute intervals versus, you know, per day or per hour. So the, the analytics and the, and the way uh, and the technology to be able to do it is there. It's just whether or not um, people want to invest that money up front, because what you find oftentimes is, you know, you can have a building that has all the bells and whistles and being able to capture all that. But if the facilities managers or the individuals operating it don't know how to use the data and don't know how to use the technology, then it's not going to really give them the full benefit and they're not going to be able to take advantage of, of those savings and opportunities. Um, got it. They, they got, they got to do like everybody else and just hire, hire a millennial. To, um, manage the <laughs> <laughs> hey, when we installed this, we're going to put you put a millennial with you too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you bring up a, 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 a really, you know, a big issue that's that's happening right now is, you know, especially with the, the newer advanced technology in terms of systems to actually install into a building, um, you know, there is a, a huge age gap in terms of the, uh, the actual um, workforce that we have available uh, because they're retiring and things of that nature. These are guys that have been, you know, maintaining facilities for many, many decades now and things of that nature. And you know, those systems have changed, the way they operate have, have, has changed. And, you know, I've seen it happen a, a many, many times where a project uh, will not install a certain system type because they don't have anybody to maintain that system, even though it's going to be more energy efficient, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, however, you do have some projects that will, you know, do that anyway. And a lot of times, you know, these big corporations like Siemens and, and things of that nature, uh, they have dedicated people as a third party service to do that for you. That's, you know, hands off kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Now you have to pay for that service, but it's a huge benefit to have somebody in, in, in your wheelhouse to be able to do that. And, and don't you think, you know, I, I think about like, <clears throat> I, I don't know, uh, I don't know how old you are, but I think we're similar, similar ages. And, you know, I, I think about myself, you know, like once I'm 50, and I got more money in my pocket that I can do anything with, and I start buying buildings and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, I, it's already ingrained for me to say, hey, I'm not buying anything that's not energy efficient. Like, that's just, 
but but I think it's a generational thing, right? Don't I mean are are you? I guess there probably aren't that many, you know, people who are our age buying a bunch of buildings. But don't you see that kind of happening in the transition whenever we're the ones owning all the buildings downtown? That it's going to be kind of a requirement. Like if if you if I'm going to have a building, it's going to be it's going to have to be energy efficient. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would definitely say it, it, it's somewhat somewhat a generational uh, gap. Um, but you also have to think about the way real estate works right now, especially on the commercial side, um, is, is in, especially in certain regions uh, where essentially they're incentivized not to have that as a priority. Uh, oh, really? So you talked about, so, so when we talked about it earlier um, in terms of energy being cheap and water being cheap, you know, in that scenario, they're not being incentivized uh, to have that as a priority. But the other piece of that, too, is when you think of outside of the scope of just energy and water and how the building is actually performing in terms of the quality of lighting, the amount of daylight that people are getting, the air quality that's being provided by those systems, uh, you start to get into this realm of health and wellness, which is a whole nother field uh, in terms of being able to add value to that property. Uh, that's somewhat a soft, soft cost or soft value, but the value is there, right? Um, and being able to to really educate and and pull out you know th those outcomes of having that type of a design for a project um, is going to be really key. Yeah. So let so let me flip it then. Maybe I said it wrong. Let's let's say let's say you know <clears throat> Stonehill both management in two years. I wanna I wanna rent a building from the landlord. Um, you know, are you already seeing that? You know, uh, people who grew up watching Captain Planet are saying, "Hey, look, I would, you know, I I would pay more uh, for a place with better air quality, you know, better um, energy usage than I would for the the thing that's not, you know, set up that way." Is that already kind of happening? Yeah, most definitely. Um, because people they see the value in that, and they also know that it's an investment they're making, and in a way. Well, not even in a way, it is uh, a way to uh, mitigate risk, right? So uh, when you talk about, you know, whether or not you believe in climate change or not, um, you know, energy prices and water and the cost of water are going up, um, you know, across the country for the most part. Um, so you think about escalation, not only in terms of the economy, but energy and water costs, um, that's a liability or a risk that you're putting yourself in knowing that you could be operating or performing better. And even on top of that, when you have uh, jurisdictions and cities that are adopting uh, benchmarking ordinances, like New York City, uh, where you're getting penalized if you're um, using too much energy or if your greenhouse gas emissions exceed a certain level, then you're also putting yourself at risk because when that city does adopt that ordinance or, or that mandate, then you're gonna to have to come out of pocket so much every year unless you do something about reducing your emissions. So if you're already building on the front end or doing the retrofit when you buy that building on the front end, you're, I feel like you're mitigating risk in the future for that. Got it, it's but te Texas will probably succeed before we do that, right? Texas will be like, <laughs> <laughs> Texas will be like we're leaving the union again. <laughs> oh man. Uh, let, let me get to my other question, then we get to the fun question. So, um, actually, you already 
answered you already answered that question um what what is there anything else happening that that i just don't even know to ask or like what are some other cool things going on that that's beneficial to either uh, businesses uh, texas um or, or people in the industry because it's such a like i'm naturally interested because again i, I can't, I'm, I'm i'm halfway joking but i think growing up watching captain planet sat in our subconscious and it's just important to me um but i don't even this industry is like so new uh, hasn't even and we're in texas which we're like 20 years behind new york and california but you know what what else cool is going on um, going back to your question before, it's more residential related, uh, but I think people can can resonate with the fact that, that they have an opportunity to have an impact, or at least from what we talked about before about collecting data and just, you know, it's, it's no different than, you know, taking a measure or a pulse of your health, right? Um, and so being able to have that data, you can actually make informed decisions. You can say, okay, well, I'm going to decide not to eat the, this anymore, or decide to eat more of that or exercise more. And so you can have adjustments and you can have better outcomes. So very similar to that. Um, there's one thing uh, that I actually have, because uh, I'm just like a techie person, I like techie stuff is, um, there's actually a tool, um, if you have an apartment or a home that you can plug into your, um, your electrical panel mm -hmm. is called uh, Sense. And oh, what that does like, is- Like with like a uh, S-E-N-C-E? -E? I'm sorry, S-E-N-S-E? -E? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. Like, like Sense of Smell. Um, and so with this little uh, box, it's pretty easy to install. I mean, you can do it yourself, but if you wanna have somebody else install it, great. Um, but it basically collects uh, how much energy you, you use but even beyond that, the analytics that it has, because it's able to, to uh, track the frequency of the types of um, appliances and, and things that you have in your home, it will tell you, you know, the runtime. So how long was your washer on and things of that nature and, and even break all those out at a very detailed level to where you can kind of make decisions on whether or not, you know, you want to switch to a different appliance or maybe you should start you know installing occupancy sensors or maybe using those hue lights that have the sensors on them to turn it off because i know for me i will before doing that i was notorious for leaving my light on in my closet sometimes i'm rushing out to go to work in the morning i come back after work and it's been on all day same thing for the washroom so you know understanding the habits that you have uh, and being able to implement measures um, even if it's beyond stuff like that um, uh, can be very, very beneficial at, on the residential level. And I, and I think that's something that's going to be uh, emerging in terms of the market, especially with all the Alexa stuff, uh, to be able to just capture that data. Um, and so, oh, go ahead. No, all right, go ahead. Um, I think at the very least, I know sometimes it's hard to capture data, um, but if you're able to to, to get, get a hold of it and just sit down and look at it, there there are some insights you wouldn't even imagine um, and you just don't know what you'll find too, right? So, um, so yeah, it's, it, it can be pretty eye-opening at, at, at any level, even if you're yeah, on the social side. I'm definitely going to check that out. Here's one more question, and I promise we're going to go to the fun questions. I, I can't remember the name of the book, and I wish I could because I'm probably going to send it to you after we get off the podcast and I have time to look and find it. But it's an audible book that I, that I listened to about the history of energy. And it was, it was, uh, it was like, it's like, I don't know, 20 hours or 30 hours long it was long but it was good uh -huh. 
Um, and, and so it was talking the, the, what I got from it. And again, I probably got to read that four times because I didn't, I, I was lost on some parts, but the, my, the gist of it is it was saying, um, we're years and years away from actually really being able to power a lot of stuff, um, via, you know, solar and wind, right. That's not, that's not any time in the next 10, 20 years that I, that I, do I understand that correctly. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and, and why is that so hard um, to 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 harness the sun or the wind? Is it just expensive? We don't have the you know. We need to throw a trillion dollars at it, and then it'll be <laughs> like, the, like like the internet. No, for real, because you know the internet is successful now because we threw a bunch of money in it at the late nineties, right? So you got to have a bunch of dumb money going to something first before it's able to scale. So some of it has to do with cost. I mean, you do have competing cheap fossil fuels and, and things of that nature. Um, but a lot of it also has to do with scalability. Um, and because I mean, just at, at its very basic level, when you think about even the way electricity is generated now, uh, there's a lot of losses of energy um, just in transmission, like through power lines, right? Mm. Um, because they have to travel across long distances, so on and so forth. So what actually gets produced at the, the plant is a small percentage of what actually gets to the source of the building or wherever it's going uh, to power or whatever that is. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot, it, a lot of it has to do with thermodynamics and, you know, the, the technology that we have available right now, at least from a transmission standpoint. Um, so, you know, that's why you see a lot of people also trying to say that being able to produce on site or near the site is most beneficial when you're talking about renewables. Obviously, that's very limited once you get into a downtown urban scale kind of atmosphere. Um, you know, and the alternative is, you know, you can pr purchase green power or uh, purchase power that has been produced by a renewable source. Um, you know, a lot of the countries, um, you know, overseas are, are I, I feel in many ways are surpassing, um, you know, the, the scale and, and the adoption that they're actually bringing these systems online and, you know, even goes going as far as to doing, uh, I don't know if you heard about uh, wave or tidal power. Um, mm -hmm. They have wave farms out, you know, in the middle of the ocean that's capturing. Oh it. yeah. That, that, yeah. That was in that book. Yeah. I think that it was a company out of UK doing that or something. Exactly. So that, that's another emerging one. Um, it's been around for a long, a lot of these have been around for a very, very long time. Uh, but again, you know, competing with other alternatives that are much cheaper, um, there have, hasn't been nearly as much money as it could be invested into that. Uh, but then you also have to think about the fact, uh, and I know we've, we run into this challenge when we talk about electrical vehicles and things of that nature, is, um, and more specifically to that, the time of day that, you know, the most of your demand is going to be on the electrical grid. Mm. And with the limitations that we have with battery storage, which is another cap, uh, makes it difficult to be able to store more energy than you need to be able to supply, you know, electricity at night when, you know, if you're not using wind, then solar is out, right? Um, mm -hmm. So limitations on storage capacity and, you know, um, you know, batteries are very, very expensive. So that's, that's a barrier to that as well. So using it when you need it on time in real time, um, is, is the best scenario right now um, because obviously, obviously what you're able to do, especially if you're using it during the daytime uh, where 
some utilities or some cities have what they call peak demand rates. So basically, you know, they have blackouts or brownouts um, that happen, you know, during the daytime when too many people are using uh, grid power. Mm -hmm. You can basically, you know, shut off or shave off some of the energy that you're pulling from the grid and use your own renewable energy um, to be able to offset that uh, when what they call time of day uh, use, where that energy is most expensive. So, got it. So basically, we're in the we're in the very beginning. You know, I'm, I just gotta keep listening to your podcast. I listen. I listen to a couple of them. I'm like, man, I got to You know how you go through that learning period where you you just you don't know what's going on, but you just know you gotta keep powering through it because eventually, you know, you'll get it. So it's a. Uh, it's just so much, man. I, yeah, uh, but it's a lot of good stuff. Your podcast is good, man. I, it was the, I listened to the one with the H. It was an HVAC guy. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, and I started listening to another one uh, that you have. But it, I'm a, I, I keep educating myself on this stuff because uh, I am interested. But here's the fun question: So, what are, what are your favorite um, places to eat in DFW? Oh man, uh, who doesn't love Cafe Brazil, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's got a, a variety of different options. Uh, that's one of my go-to spots. Uh, I remember I even used, used to study there too because it's open late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, man, uh, Cafe Brazil. Uh, I'm a huge Canes fan, even though I know I, I'm trying to kind of slow down on the fast food like that. <laughs> but uh, Canes, I love it. When I went to College Station, uh, I fell in love with Canes because um, you know it was real big there. But uh, yeah. Those are probably my, my, my top two. I mean, I'm not a person that goes out to eat at fancy spots a lot, but, you know, you know I've been to Reunion Tower and stuff like that, you know, touristy stuff. Um, but, yeah. It's, okay. Well, what about shows you like to binge watch when you get oh, some down? Oh, man. Power. <laughs> uh, that's, that's definitely one of them. I'm also a real um, a sci-fi kind of person. Action, I like action movies, action shows. Uh, so, I mean, I just been binge watched, uh, lost in space. Um, oh man. That, that, that was, that one's kind of slow. The first two episodes, right? I, I went through the first two episodes and got bored. So I turned it off But it. <laughs> if I, if I pop, cause I like sci-fi too, but if I, pop, I might try, since you said it, I might try to get through episode three now. It's yeah, it, it gets better. And yeah, for sure. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously game of Thrones, all the, the, the big stuff, um, but yeah, it's yeah. Okay. I, I there's very few shows that I that I don't like, um, but I do have a select like genre. So I mean, maybe that's another reason why. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I get. It. I'm I'm like I got, I'm in the same genre. So uh, I watch the little weird uh, Netflix series, or uh, you know, I'll 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 check them all out and then see if I get bored. What about uh, even, even like some of the documentaries too? Like I, you know, I like the you know people that do the doomsday uh, prepares and all that kind of stuff. I like seeing that stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> what about movies? Uh, movies, oh man, um, you know, one of my favorite movies is Coming to America, um, just because it's a comedy and it's you know it's got you know a whole story behind it and everything. But uh, so I am looking forward to the new. Not 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 saying that I condone that they decide to do another version of it uh, or a second part of it later this year, uh, but I'm definitely going to see that. Um, yeah, no, definitely, I, I am too. 
Um, looking forward to uh, you know the, the Bad Boys two or the Bad Boys uh, movie that's coming out, uh, which will be I guess it would be three, right? Um, yeah, it came Bad out last weekend, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking forward to seeing that. Uh, but for me, I mean, any kind of action thriller, uh, sci-fi movie, horror films—that's that's my realm. And what about pod- podcasts and books uh, you like? Oh man. Um, a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, some of my the ones that I like um, are kind of focused on sustainability energy, but I also kind of look, listen to some of the major ones. Uh, you know, Gary Vee has one that that uh, he does uh, that I listen to from time to time. Um, sometimes I'll just just for fun uh, listen to some of the ones that Joe Rogan does uh, for his show. But. Um, but yeah, in terms of books, oh man, for me, I I love motivational books, but you know, the one that you mentioned on energy, sometimes I'll kind of dip into stuff like that. So I thought it was the one that you were talking about, but I don't think it is, but it's called The Science of Energy. Is that the one? No, uh, no, uh, it's, it's I, 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 would, I would click out of my Zoom because uh, I'm doing it on my phone and see if I don't want to mess with the recording, but it's, it's, oh, no, no. it's like... Um, I want to say Exxon Mobil is in Title II. I'll send it to you. And you know, actually, they have a good podcast, too, on energy. Oh, uh, they do? Exxon Mobil has one? Yeah. Huh. And I've listened to that a couple of times. They've got some pretty good topics on there. So um, what, I think one of the, the, the ones I've heard recently was um, maybe it was called Why Oil or something like that. Um, but just talking about the challenges between, you know, kind of like we talked about renewables and fossil fuels and you know, why it doesn't necessarily um, not not make sense, but why it's a challenge right now. Um, but yeah, some some of the other books that I've, that I've read or, uh, or I'll reread, you know, Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins, uh, Crushing It uh, by Gary Vee. Um, oh man, well, another good one that I, re- I read last year was The 10X Rule. Um, man, it really just kind of expanded my mind about some of the possibilities of um, just living up to your potential, to be honest. Uh, and Die Empty is another good one to read. Um, I, I still have to finish that one, but it's, it's, uh, it's, on, my, it's on my shelf. <laughs> yeah, no, good. Now, man, appreciate that. So, and, and let folks know how they can reach your uh, podcast or check out your podcast. What, what channels is it on? Um, yeah, yeah, so uh, the podcast is 3P Theory. Uh, you can check it out at 3Ptheory.com. Uh, you can also check it out on Instagram at M Charles Jr. Uh, and I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn as well under Mike Brown. Hey, well, I, I definitely appreciate you taking time out to uh, come on the show, and um, definitely will uh, link out link out this. I'm, I'll have a LinkedIn post tag you on it and link to your uh, to your site on the podcast notes. But appreciate you, man. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. Sorry, sorry, it was a little, little late, but <laughs> I look forward to these. So it's fun. Yeah, yeah.